Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two women who have no business talking about history do it anyway. I'm Morgan, here with my beautiful co-host, Emily. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let everyone know what we're talking about today, because I do want to talk about the sources, as specifically one source. So we're talking about Hedy Lamar today. Um, so I got the idea. I have, I bought this book. And it's like 50 like women pioneers in science. And she's one of like, I'm definitely using this book as a source in the future because it has all like these amazing women who are scientists and specialists. And Hedy Lamar is there. Uh, she, spoiler alert, invented the predecessor to Wi-Fi and uh, secure broadcasting. I looked at that book and then I was trying to find more information and as is most of the time when I'm doing research, I find like a lot of websites that kind of repeat the same few things over and over again, maybe like a couple bits here and there. But then I found this documentary called Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. And it was so good. I got so much information. Um, like I keep finding like this one source. It's like, boom, here's everything you need to know. Like her children provide a lot of the commentary and a lot of the information in the documentary. That's awesome. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good documentary. Um, and it goes so much deeper into her life than all the other sources I could find it. Was this on Netflix? Because I want to watch it. Um, I found it on YouTube. Really? So, but you could also rent it, like, digitally. I don't, I don't think it's on Netflix, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I'll look at it. But highly okay. recommend, if you can find Bombshell, that's what it's called, the colon, the Hedy Lamar story, I highly recommend it. I mean, Hedy Lamar is just an icon, so, but I'll get into it. Yeah. She sounds fascinating. She really is. I'm excited to tell you about her, because she definitely deserves to have her story told. Yay. You know, George, I heard from my ex-husband that the Germans know how to intercept and block the signal coming from torpedoes. They're able to evade torpedoes that way. Those damn Nazis. Hetty, there has to be a way to prevent them from blocking the signal. We need to take those bastards down. They're literally sinking ships full of children. Hmm. I have this idea about switching radio frequencies back and forth so it's almost encrypted, but I'm kind of struggling on how to really conceptualize it. Wait, what about those piano player rollers? The sheets kind of look like what you're describing. If we turn this sideways, it looks like the bars are oscillating between frequencies. Oh, George, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. This frequency hopping communication systems will help turn the tides of the war. We can finally start sinking Nazi U-boats. Quick, let's send this to the Inventors Council in DC. The Inventors Council think it's a great idea. It helps them get a patent for the invention. Hello, yes, U.S. Navy. My name is Hetty Lamar, and I have an idea that can help us in the war. Um, we're not even fighting in this war yet. And ain't you an actress? You're too pretty to be this smart. Get out of here. We're going to stuff this in a box and use it 20 years later and not tell you about it. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I literally hate the U.S. Navy right now. 
All right. Just, just in this moment. <laughs> oh, you're gonna... Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of unpatriotic feelings about the U.S. military in this episode. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Hedy Lamar. So, Hedy Lamar was born Hedwig Eva Maria Keisler in 1914 in Vienna, Austria. She is an only child to Emil and Gertrude Keisler. I think it's Keisler. Um, or Keisler. I think it's Keisler. So her father was a banker and her mother was a patron of the arts. Her father would take walks with her and explain how different machines worked. And that's how she really got her passion for all things mechanical. At five years old, she was taking apart her music box and putting it back together just to see how it worked. At five that's years amazing. old. Yeah. Oh my God. So she was already getting the, this like engineering brain going. Um, and so her mother as a patron of the arts put her into ballet and piano lessons so she was also you know she could speak multiple languages I think she could speak four languages by the time she was 10 years old Uh, she was extremely proficient at piano and dance they lived her her and her family were Jewish and they lived in a very prominent affluent area in Vienna which is home to a lot of other Jewish people They went to the opera frequently. She went to a private school. She was actually really good at chemistry as well. Like, she's a science lady. (laughs) She's a jack of all trades. She is. She can do all the things. And on top of everything else, she is a knockout. She is a stunner. Absolutely beautiful. she's so pretty. Like, there's... No one can match Hedy Lamarr. Um, But... Unfortunately, her beauty really overshadowed her intellect. A lot of people saw her as a pretty face before they really acknowledged like she has a brilliant brain, which is really sad. So when she was 16, she was discovered by a man named Max Reinhardt, who he had a he was a director and he had like an acting school in Berlin. And so she started taking lessons at that school, like acting lessons. And in 1930, she started her first movie. Um, I thought I wrote down what that movie was, but I guess I did not. Um, But in 1932, she was a starring role in a movie called Ecstasy. Uh, And this was a very controversial film. Uh, She was naked in it. And it also was the first if not the first one of the first films, to portray a female orgasm. The Pope denounced this movie. That means it's a good movie. It, like, people (laughs) lost their shit about this movie. Um, And she was Uh, also... Because someone's... Just because a woman's having a good time. (laughs) Like, it, it had a full, like, not like a sex scene. Like, I saw, like, clips of it in the documentary. It's very suggestive. Like, you don't actually see see two people banging, but, like, the way she has to, like, kind of move her body in a certain way, and it's very implicative of her having sex on screen. And it was just super scandalous. So, and her father was really upset uh, seeing his daughter portrayed this way. And she was young, too. I mean, she was probably, like, 18 or so. Uh, So she she was pretty young. Um, Young and rebellious, it sounds like. Yeah, so, and I, like, this movie would stay with her for a while, uh, because it got international attention. (laughs) She 
ended up getting married to this man named Fritz Mandel. Uh, he was actually a fan of hers when she started kind of breaking into um, place. Uh, he was a weapons manufacturer, and he was super, super rich. He was a millionaire, and he was also really controlling. He was 33 years older. Yeah. No, sorry, 14 years older than Hedy Lamar. He oh, was 33 years old. That's a lot better. Sorry. Okay. I misread my Woo. notes. Uh, he was also a Nazi, at least a Nazi sympathizer. Even more of an ew. Yeah. So Hetty's job when they were married was she just had to be beautiful and nothing else. Like she was literally decoration because he was rich Ugh. and he acquired beautiful things and she was a beautiful thing. So, but she would like, you know, just a pretty face. But while he was having all these guests over... One of which was Mussolini. Yeah. She was listening to their conversations and, like, getting, like, inside Ooh. secrets of, like, weapons and, like, strategies that and stuff. sneaky st devil. I love her. Um, also, this was, this is not a funny fact, but I just thought it was interesting. So, uh, Mandel, 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 I don't know. Uh, he was also Jewish, and even though he was a Nazi sympathizer, Hitler would not be seen with him because he was Jewish. So Mandel constantly thought Hetty was having affairs, especially because of the film Ecstasy, and she was getting a lot of male attention. He tried to destroy all copies, like buy and destroy all copies of Ecstasy that he could find. Um, That's a little obsessive. Yeah, and he would have their maids listen in on her, like, phone conversations and stuff. Um, so, yeah, she was miserable. So, actually, in the, the documentary, she was allowed to, like, hire a maid. And she hired a maid that looked like her. And so, one night, she dressed... She had the maid kind of act as her body double. And she dressed up as her maid and walked out and escaped. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, at first, she went to Paris. And then she fled to London. Also, this was also another kind of not really fun fact, but Hitler actually banned the movie Ecstasy. Um, not because of the themes, but because Hedy Lamarr uh, is Jewish, was Jewish. Yeah. That's rude. Yeah, it's very rude. And around this time, her father died um, because oh. he was so stressed out. Like, there was, you know, the Nazis were becoming more prominent in Europe, and her and her family were Jewish, and the stress... And he was a banker, you know, and all the stereotypes. So he was so stressed out, the stress ended up killing him um, before anything that the war did. Um, Question. Did she have any kids with that first husband? Not that I could find. Okay. Just curious. There's no mention of any children from that first marriage. While she was in London, she met a man named Louis B. Mayer of Metro Golden Mayer. Like... At the MG, one of the producers for MGM, who's oh. who it's named after. I'm bad at names. <laughs> my, do you see my eyes glaze over? I was like, oh. Metro Golden Mayor. <laughs> no, the MGM like movie studio. Oh. She met Mayor, uh, Louis B. Mayor. <laughs> this was this was kind of a funny story. So, he saw her. I think they were like in a bar. And he saw her and was like, you're a gorgeous kid. Come be a star in Hollywood. And she was like, no. <laughs> um, but she ended up changing her mind. So she found the ship that Mayer was on um, to return to America. She got on that ship. 
one night she got super fancy with wearing, like wearing this gorgeous dress and all of the jewels that she had and she walked past his table to get his attention. <laughs> what a mood. I know. You can't just walk up and be like, I changed my mind. No, he's going to look at me. Yes, exactly. Like, so iconic. And actually, it's so funny. Louis B. Mayer's wife is the one who came up with the name Lamar, like Hedy Lamar. So that's where she became Hedy Lamar. And she, like, got off the ship. And people were like, oh, my gosh, this is the newest starlet. Like, people were ready for her. Look at me. I've arrived. Yes, basically. Like... And she didn't speak a lick of English. She literally memorized her lines in her first movie in English, but she did not speak it at all. So she had, she probably had a hard time even knowing what she was saying. Yeah. Uh, so her first movie was the film Algiers. And that movie, it was her very first movie, and it made her a household name. Like, other actresses were copying her hairstyle, like the, the middle part, dark curls, because being, like, ice blonde was very popular at the time. Yeah. Um, but she was, dark, like, a dark, spooky lady. No, she wasn't spooky. But, you know, she had dark hair parted down the middle. And so all these Mysterious. other actresses. Yes. Yeah. Um, exotic. She's literally called exotic. But people started copying her. She was seducing men and women left and right. She knew JFK. Uh, who didn't know JFK, honestly. (laughs) Um, For real, though. Yeah. So she fell madly in love with this man named Gene Markey, and they got married. Uh, And in the documentary, one of her children said that a lot of people were like, this guy, like, because he was a little older, a little portly, you know, just a dude. And they're like, you're like the most beautiful woman in Hollywood, and you're marrying this guy? But she was head over heels, for him. He probably treated her like a queen. Maybe, but very shortly after they got married, he started having affairs. Oh, well, never mind. I take back everything yeah. I said. Um, while she was married to Jean Markey, she adopted her first son, James. And while, so she's acting at this time, she's contracted with MGM, and women, especially at like female actresses at this time, uh, they were g- given a very steady diet of pills, you know, to keep them thin, to keep them awake. Um, they're called like pet pills. Mm-hmm. So she was given basically speed to keep her thin, keep her awake, and then sleeping pills to help her sleep at night. Working like 14 hour days, you know, every day. It was just, there was no actors guild or union at this time. So producers could treat their actors however they wanted. And because they were under contract, they basically owned you. Like, it was, it was really extreme. But, so while she, when she was not acting, she was inventing. She had like a little table and a trailer off on set and like during break she would go to her trailer and just invent and tinker like she loved that was her true passion was inventing she tried to invent um this little tablet like a cola like tablet that you could put in the water and it would fizzle and make cola uh for service members during the war it was like they can't have a nice glass of coca-cola while they're off fighting the war so she was trying to invent this little tablet to like little portable coca-cola that's so smart i know it didn't end up working though and apparently she didn't account on multiple different states 
having like different types of water. So it didn't really go anywhere. But I mean, she was still trying. She was putting in the work. And during this time, like World War II is going on right now. And she had to hide her Jewish heritage. Um, And she really, like her children didn't even know they were Jewish until much, much later. And even when they're like, mom, are we Jewish? She go, are you crazy? Like she completely denounced her Jewish heritage, which is, it's kind of sad. Um, I'm sorry. I'm kind of skipping around a lot um, with my facts. So she was an actress during Hollywood's golden age. Like she acted with all the best, um, but she was typecast uh, in femme fatale roles or Mm -hmm. decorative roles. Like I said, she was considered exotic. At one point she did try to start her own production company in order to act in more substantial roles, but it didn't really work out. And this is kind of later on. She ended up starring in this movie called Sanson and Delilah. And that was her biggest movie. And I'll get back into that a little bit later. So a couple of her movie, her biggest movies, um, Algiers with Charles Boyer, Lady of the Tropics with Robert Taylor, Boomtown with Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy, Tortilla Flat with Spencer Tracy. And actually the director of Casablanca she was her his first choice to play the female lead. I'm not really sure why, but she ended up losing out to Ingrid Bergman. Um, uh. Pretty soon after she got to the U.S., she started dating this man named Howard Hughes. He was a businessman and a pilot. Um, I don't know if this is before or after she married Jean Markey. Um, I couldn't figure that out. But he really, like, helped her. Like, they connected a lot intellectually. He helped her fuel her passion for innovation, and he, he's actually the one that gave her the little table in her trailer so she could tinker. That's cute. Yeah, I like, she, he was like, yes, like, you're a smart lady, and I love that about you. And she also had a workshop in her own home, too. Like, she was just inventing all the time. So at one point, Howard, so he um, had an airplane factory, and he took her to this factory and told her that he wanted to develop a faster plane. So she got books on fish and birds and really like was working to invent a more aerodynamic plane. And I don't know if it really went anywhere, but he was like, he called her a genius and was like, you like whatever you need, my scientists will give you like he was super supportive of her. I just love that. Um, one of her children in the documentary said that she, he was one of the worst lovers she ever had. <laughs> so, oh no! I guess I guess the romance didn't really last that long, but I think they remained friends for a long time. In 1940, she met a man named George Antile. He was an avant-garde composer. They met at like some kind of gala or some kind of party, and they were just talking, and they were like coming up with ideas for the war effort. And there was this problem at the time where Germans could intercept the signals going from ships to torpedoes and they could jam the signal. So like once the torpedoes were launched, they could jam the signal so the torpedoes couldn't be redirected and then the U-boats could navigate around the torpedoes. Right. And But she was talking with George and they just like were brainstorming and coming up with all these really great ideas. And when they had to leave the party, she wrote his her number on his car with lipstick so they could call <laughs> each other again. And also, I just thought this was really funny. George wrote a book about himself called Bad Boy of Music. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bad Boy of Music? Yeah. 
<laughs> it was his like autobiography or something. <laughs> I just thought that was really Why? funny. Why that though? I don't know. Why? He's a bad boy of music. He's a bad boy. <laughs> so George's brother. So George had a pers- kind of a personal stake in mm-hmm. fighting the Nazis because his brother was actually one of the first Americans killed in World War II. Um, he Aww. was a civilian. And he was in the plane, and it was shot down by Soviets, actually. So he was like, no, I want this. I want to fight in this war. And Hetty was actually thinking about quitting acting and mm-hmm. joining what's called the Inventors Council in D.C. And that was established by the American military to kind of create almost a brain trust of different inventors to come up with these right. really great ideas. So both Hetty and George wanted... Hitler dead. They're like, he needs to be gone. So they came up with this idea. They combine George's knowledge of music, especially player pianos, and Hetty's uh-huh. knowledge of, like, you know, those war secrets that she learned from her ex-husband and, you know, like, radio frequencies and stuff, and they were talking, and um, they came up with this idea from automated play a piano player sheet music. So Mm -hmm. it's a roll of paper and it has all these slots cut out of it. And like, it kind of looks like seemingly random like areas, but they're like, Hey, like what if we could get radio frequencies to hop between different frequencies, like on piano player music. And that way the Germans won't know what's like, what frequency the signal is between the ship and the torpedo, and therefore you can't jam it because you don't know what frequency it's on. Very smart. They came up, it's called, um, I wrote it down, Frequency Hopping Spread Spectrum. So they invented this. Like, just the two of them. They're not engineers. They're not, you know, they didn't go to school for, you know, sound science. I don't know. Like... George Anti was a composer and Hedy Lamarr was an actress and amateur inventor. And they came up with this idea. That's incredible. Um, And so they submitted their idea to the inventors council and they thought like it was an amazing idea. They're like, this is great. This is going to change the outcome of the war. Like we have to get this to the military. And so they hooked him up with an electronics engineer. I I didn't write his name down, but they were able to get a patent for it. And so they donated the invention to the council with the understanding that if their invention was used by the military, they would get paid for it. So they submitted it to, like, and they gave it to the U.S. Navy. They're like, hey, like, use this for your ships and torpedoes. And the U.S. Navy was like, nah, we're good. How many, how many ships could have been saved if they had just used the invention the pretty lady made? I mean, why? I hate people sometimes. Yeah. So the Navy was like, nah, we don't really need this. And they put it in a box labeled top secret. And then they forgot about it. But Hetty, you know, she was not discouraged. Like, she was bummed. But she was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to keep working, you know? Because she was, she loved America. And she was very patriotic for America, even though she was not yet a U.S. citizen. So she was like, okay, if I can't use my intellect to help the war effort. I'm going to use my looks to help the war effort. So she started selling war bonds and she raised millions of dollars in war bonds, like touring and, you know, 
She sold, then it was about $25 million worth of war bonds. Wow. Today it'd be $343 million. She raised, she helped raise. Holy crap. That's incredible. Yeah. She, yeah, she was just amazing. So as, you know, time goes on, she's still acting during all of this. Yeah. Because um, can't stop, won't stop. So, but she, like I said earlier, she was getting disillusioned with her role in Hollywood. Uh, she really wanted more meaningful roles. She didn't want to just be a pretty face. Yeah. And so she actually developed her own production company and produced her own movies. And they, they were good movies. Like they were well-made, pretty feminist in nature before like that was really a thing. Mm-hmm. Like she was giving other women like meaningful roles in her movies. It just, they weren't making a lot of money. Yeah. You know, they weren't capturing the attention of the public. Well, I'm sure it's a lot easier when you are like MGM or what's another one like Lionsgate Warner or Brothers. Warner Brothers or something like that who have the big platform. And especially in that time, it's not like they could Google these movies. It's not like they could just go find them anywhere where the resources are there now. She probably would be extremely successful nowadays. Oh, yeah, probably. And plus, like, she didn't have the cash flow that these production companies had. And that was a big barrier. Like, they couldn't, they didn't have literally the money to pay for some, like, higher-end production like MGM could. So she kind of, she decided to star in this upcoming movie called Samson and Delilah. And this movie just completely revitalized her role. It was the highest earning movie, the second highest earning movie that decade. The only movie that won out was Gone with the Wind. Holy shit. Yeah. Good for her. Gone with the Wind was the highest earning movie of all time up until like five years ago. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. I think when, I think when Avengers Endgame came out that be gone with the wind i think if not avengers then um avatar the first avatar movie that was a good movie yeah i think that may have been the highest earning movie since gone with the wind but gone with the wind i mean you know so samson and delilah was just second to gone with the wind that decade wow so huge movie yeah (laughs) um and she became a household name again Around this time, she got married again uh, to her third husband named John Loder. Uh, He was also an actor, um, and she had two children with him, Denise in 1945 and Anthony in 1947. And John Loder actually adopted James, who was her first son that she adopted. Her mother, like... Was kind of, it was kind of scary because her mother was still in Europe during World War oh, II. that's terrible. But her mother did, and I think she was able to get to England, which wasn't great because it was still being bombed by the Germans. But she was able, she did finally come to the United States. And Hedy Lamar became an American citizen in 1953. Yay. So she continued to act in movies. Uh, she officially retired from movies in 1958. She just wasn't really getting that great of roles anymore. Yeah. And she started having her own issues. I couldn't find out who her fourth husband was. She had six husbands overall. But Howard Lee was her fifth husband, and he was an oil tycoon. Um, So he was very, very wealthy, and he was also an alcoholic, Mm. unfortunately. But using Howard Lee's money, she built a ski resort in Aspen. And she really modeled it after Austria, 
because she was very homesick. Yeah. Like, she loved America. She loved Hollywood. But she was really homesick for VMM. Is it so still, she made this like, in operation? I, sh- I don't know. Uh, she ended up losing the ski resort and the divorce settlements when her oh. and Howard Lee divorced. The reason why is so, it's just a lot. They filed for divorce, mm-hmm. and the day that she was supposed to show up in court for the divorce, her son had gotten in a really bad accident, and he almost died. So Hetty wanted to be with her son, so of she course. sent a body double. She sent a body double to court, Oh, which did not go well. No, why didn't she just send word of what happened? I mean, things like that happen. I don't know, but... This time, a body double did not work out for her, and so she ended up losing a lot in the divorce settlement. She almost got nothing. And then she started having a lot of mental health issues. You know, she was still addicted to pills after her time acting. She started becoming a little bit more erratic. Uh, Her oldest son, James, actually, she had sent off to... He was starting to become... I don't know to what extent he was becoming a behavior problem, but I think it got to the point where Hetty just, like, didn't really know how to handle it anymore. And so she shipped him off to boarding school. And then uh, while there, he got really close to, a, like, a sports coach there. Mm-hmm. And he actually asked Hetty, like, can I live with him? I don't want to live with you anymore. Can I live with the sports coach? And she was like, yeah. And according to her other children, she was heartbroken by it, but she didn't stop him. Yeah. And so, and he, he was in the documentary very briefly, but that's kind of all I could find about Jimmy Loader, um, who's her first son. I don't know if you've heard the song Dr. Feelgood by Aretha Franklin. It sounds very familiar. I'm sure. Dr. Feelgood, make me feel good. It's, it's a very fun song. So Dr. Feelgood was an actual person. He, uh, I can't, I didn't write down his real name, but he was like a celebrity doctor with like miracle cures. And he had like, he did these like vitamin shots. Um, And so Hetty ended up becoming a patient of his and she started getting his vitamin B shots, quote unquote. And she was like telling her daughter, like, you got to start seeing this guy. I feel so good after getting these injections. Oh, no. He was injecting his patients with methamphetamine. <gasps> yeah. Not good. Oh, my heart's breaking for all those patients that, oh, oh no. Yeah. yeah. He, it took him a very long time to lose his medical license, but this episode is not about Dr. Feelgood. But she ended up becoming a meth addict, and her behavior was soup, became super erratic, oh, yeah. of course and out of control. One of her sons, Anthony, or Tony, said that um, at one point, like, she was in the kitchen, and he was with her, and she dropped, like, a spoon or a fork or something, and then, like, punched him in the face, and was like, if I drop something, you pick it up. Oh, my like, God. Like, super, yeah, like, she was starting to become out of control. How, how and then old around were the this, kids at this point? Did they say? Um, I want to say this was in the 60s. 50s or 60s so they were like I think teenagers yeah. I'm not entirely sure though and the older Hetty got the more she was compared to her younger self a magazine literally called her old and ugly which she was not at all 
it had only been like 10 years, but literally I saw like a, a clipping in a documentary. It said, Henry Lamar is now old and ugly. Um, so she started getting a lot of plastic surgery. Mm. And actually she kind of revolutionized plastic surgery because she would request like certain procedures to be done. Yeah. And they looked good. And so other people like, hey, I want to do what Letty, Hedy Lamar did. Like, can you do that the same way? So like she kind of created her own little things. Yeah. Like with plastic surgery, but she kind of overdid it. Yeah. Um, and started getting more and more botched plastic surgeries. Um, and she wasn't inventing anymore. Um, she was just kind of, you know, stuck at home, not really doing anything. And so that was kind of her next thing so oh okay um, hold on i i googled a picture of her later years because i want to see yeah she doesn't even look like herself yeah she had a lot of plastic surgery and like she would have she would get have like a botched surgery and then she'd get another surgery to correct that one and then like as time went on she had to correct that one so yeah uh. she doesn't she really doesn't look like the same person which is really sad and just it kept like impacting her overall mental health. Yeah. Yeah. This was not the very fun episode I thought it would be when I picked it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like um, a brilliant, beautiful woman that was just done dirty by the industry. And just the time. Yeah. You know, like if she had been born in modern days, you know, 20, 30 years ago, her intellect hopefully would have been utilized more yeah. and appreciated yeah. more than it was then and then you know the industry like the Hollywood industry now has its own problems absolutely right. but you know there's protections for actors they're not literally owned by their contracts like they were yeah. uh, back when she was in the like in the golden age of Hollywood it's just it's really sad so and I'm about to piss you off a lot uh, so okay. the year is 1962 and the Cuban Missile Crisis is looming. And the military, the U.S. military is like, hey, we found this really cool invention in a box somewhere. This could be really useful. So they got, they, when they launched ships to go handle the Cuban Missile Crisis, they were using the frequency hopping technology that Hedy Lamar had invented like 20 years prior. And they weren't paying her, were they? So the patent expired in 1959. And what year was this? 62? 1962. But there's evidence that the military had started using the, using the invention in 1955. So a contractor was like given the plans and they're like hey use this plan to invent this thing and he was like okay but he found out later like oh shit this was Hedy Lamar's invention because Hedy Lamar is not on the patent it's her legal name I think it was Hedy I think it said Hedy uh Keisler yeah on the patent so no one knew it was actually Hedy Lamar's invention if you just look at the patent but he felt really, really bad about it. And he, so in later years, he actually had a website dedicated to like, hey, I'm the one that kind of like made the invention a reality and put it into U.S. ships. But this is a whole website like um, apologizing for his yeah. role in it and because recognizing 
Right, exactly. Right. He was just handed this patent and was like, hey, invent this or like make it. And he was like, okay. Like he didn't know. Um, and so U.S. patent law states that an inventor has six years after the expiration of a patent to sue for profits from the invention. But she never knew until much, much later that it was ever used. And it wasn't until, like, she had called, like, a friend in the military that she had, like, in the Navy or something. She was like, hey, like, I submitted an invention, like, like 30 years ago um, during World War II. Do you know what ever happened to it? And he was like, uh, the Navy started using it in, like, the 60s. What asshole? So she never saw a dime from her invention. And today, it's worth about $30 billion. Because this technology is used in smartphones, Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth. It's used for top secret uh, communications for like the president and top military officials. It's still being used. You're right. You did piss me off. I, I know, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. Like, and it just, like, it literally shatters your heart when you, like, this brilliant woman invented this. I'm getting, like, emotional, yeah. like, honestly. Like, she invented this revolutionary, like, idea for something that most people don't even understand. I sure as hell don't nope, understand it. Like, head. I... And she just came up with it. Like, her and George Antile just came up with it. And they weren't even, like, trained in this area. They're a composer and an actress invented this. And now it's used. We use it every single day. We are using it right now talking over Zoom. Because we have a satellite that is bouncing my signal is being bounced to this satellite, which is being bounced to you. That breaks my heart for her. That it's all of that work that she did just for them to be like, mm, you're too pretty to be smart. We're not going to use this. But mm, in about mm-hmm. 20 years, when you can't do anything about it, we're going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lesson in uh, protect your shit, people. If you and it's well, she had a patent. Yeah. She had a patent. She did what she was supposed to do, but she didn't file a copyright or anything. And she had no idea it was being used until so much later. Like if they had called her up and be like, "Hey, Hetty, like we saw that you'd submitted this patent to us right. in like the '40s, and now it's the '50s, and we want to use it," you know. Yeah. That would be fine, but they never contacted her. Oh, my God. No one ever told her about it. And she, like, in her later years especially, like, she was struggling. Like, she was living... I think I wrote it down. This is also going to piss you off. She was living on, like... She's only making, like, $300 a month or something. In what? On, like, Social Security. When did she die? In 2000. She was living on $300 a month in the 90s? That is not... Near enough. Yeah, she... But anyway, so we're not, we're not done with her story. We are almost done. Um, so she was later recognized for her achievements. Actually, um, Millstar, who is one of the satellite companies, mm-hmm. like, that does, like, top-secret military communications, and Lockheed Martin, they wanted to recognize her for, you know, her contribution. Good. But this was... I think this is like in the 80s or 90s and she didn't want to be seen 
because she was so self-conscious about how she looked. Right. Uh, her son actually accepted the award on her behalf. And actually, he, like, played a voicemail or, like, a, played a recording that he had made um, with between the two of them when he went to go accept the award. But she got really, really reclusive yeah. as she got older. Um, she sued Mel Brooks uh, for his character, Hedley Lamar, who's the mayor guy in Blazing Saddles. Oh! Who is like an idiot. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because Mel Brooks is actually in a documentary and he was like gushing about Hedy Lamar, but she did not appreciate. She, her biggest thing is she did not like being a joke. Right. And if she perceived anyone like making fun of her in any way or teasing her or giving her a hard time, she would get very, very upset. And she was arrested in 1966 for shoplifting. Um, and this is when it was, like, really bad with, like, her addictions and, yeah. like, her meth addiction and going through the divorce and everything. But the charges were dropped. And then it happened again in 1991. Oh. She was arrested for shoplifting. But the charges were dropped again. Well, she had no um, money she, to survive. So she won several awards. Um, actually, I'll go in. So she ultimately died January 19th, 2000 uh, in her home. She was alone when she died. <sighs> But she'd really withdrawn from her children, from all of her family. Um, she was 85 years old when she died. So, I mean, she lived a long life, yeah. but it was just a, a lot of a life. But she won several awards. Um, her and George Antile won the Pioneer Award in 1997 from the Electric Frontier Foundation. She was the first woman to receive the Invention Convention's Bowlby Nass Spirit of Achievement Award. Uh, she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She was posthumously inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Um, and also, I didn't know this, but the documentary mentions that she was a model for Snow White. Really? Um, and she inspired Catwoman. Nice. Which I just, I, I thought those that. were like... I love that so out much. Out of like a whole sea of bullshit that happened. Like those are two nice little yeah. things that happened. Um, but Hedy Lamar, she really felt like she was never seen for who she was. And she was so much more than a pretty face. She was a brilliant, brilliant woman who survived World War II, really made her own, um, survived like all this scandal and abusive relationships. And, yeah. You know, so this is kind of a bummer episode. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I keep picking the sad ones. <laughs> Mine are goofy. I did not know. Yeah, I'm glad yours are goofy because I keep. I don't realize they're going to be sad ones until I start researching. I'm like, oh, man, I need to stay away yeah. from World War II I for mean, a while. Un My last... Unfortunately, a lot of history is sad. So mm -hmm. the most we could do is try to present it in the most lighthearted way possible. <laughs> yes, especially, like, it's definitely a balance to how, like, keeping lighthearted, but also, like, respecting right. the... right. The people who lived these lives. And I definitely wanted to pay respect to Hedy Lamar because she was just, you know, yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous woman with the most insane brain that I cannot even fathom. Yeah. Um, and I'll post a picture of the roller paper because literally if you turn it on its side, it looks like the frequency hopping. Yeah technology that they invented and they it's very nicely illustrated in the documentary which i thought was very helpful but literally like one of her sons still has like her drawings uh, from the notes or that her and george like when, apparently she was like 
<laughs> she was really obnoxious, apparently. Yeah. Like, she was calling George at all hours of the night. She's like, I have another idea. I have another idea. And he was like, I need to sleep. Leave me alone. <laughs> it is 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he has, like, her pictures of, like, her drawings of, like, what like kind of brainstorming oh, frequency I love I love seeing stuff like that where it's like you know the finished product is awesome I want to see where your brain was at when you were making this thing when you were thinking of this show me your brainstorming show me the scribbles that you wrote on the napkin at the restaurant because something hit yes. you like show me that stuff the raw stuff and what's really awesome, and I highly, again, I highly recommend this documentary. So there is this um, reporter at, I think it was Forbes magazine. Okay. He found a box full of interviews that he had done with Hedy Lamar before <gasps> she passed away in like the 90s. And he was even saying like, I found them behind my trash can. What? <laughs> and it's like four or five tapes of his interviews with Hedy Lamar. Oh my God. Like, I just don't understand why her shit keeps being put in a box and forgotten about. <laughs> I hate that for her. But, like, they did find it and they did play her tapes. Good. Um, so you could hear her voice as well. So she still has a very thick Austrian accent. Honestly, I couldn't understand her every single time and I didn't have subtitles. And I'm deaf, so yeah. I couldn't really... <laughs> um, She's like, I couldn't understand everything that she said all the time, but you know, I just, I really liked learning about this really cool lady and I wish that life had been kinder Dealt to her. her. And she actually got better money from her freaking invention. Yeah, seriously. She probably wouldn't have been living off of $300 a damn month if, if she had just gotten the money for her invention, any of the inventions, really. I'm sure yeah. she did more than one. Yeah. It really, the, what I could find, um, I also saw she, like, redesigned the traffic lights, and she used, like, a tissue box. That's... Like, you know, like, street lights. Yeah. Like, re yeah, she was, like, she kind of redesigned street lights to be more efficient, and she did it using a tissue box. <laughs> I love this woman. Yeah, she's really great. So my sources, I use that book, Women in Science, 50 Fearless Pioneers Who Changed the World by Rachel Ignatovsky. I really hope I said her last name right. Um, it's a really fun book, um, and I'll be using it in the future because all these badass ladies need to be talked about. Exactly. 100%. Biography.com, Britannica.com, Women'sHistory.org, and then that documentary. Again, yeah. highly, highly recommend. You'll get so much more information that I could provide in my short amount of time so thanks for listening Yay. I hope you found some joy in this total bummer of an episode <laughs> well she had at least in the beginning the best attitude where she was just like I know I'm pretty I know I'm smart and I'm just gonna be a badass yeah. and I love that and I mean she she stayed a badass. She yeah. just struggled a lot with, like, drug addiction. That wasn't even no, her idea. None of it was her fault. The The pills that she was given in the industry, and then she went to this doctor, which you want, which you can't, but you want to be able to trust a doctor, a licensed yeah. medical professional, and he's giving yeah. them meth. Yeah. And I think meth was legal at the time. Like, it wasn't an illegal, like, class one, whatever it is, scheduled drug yet. Yeah. But it's still incredibly addictive. Right. So. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, there were a lot of doctors doing stuff like that during that time. Oh, yeah. Well, even before, you know, like in the the early days of like the 20th century, it was like, oh, you have ghosts in your blood. Do some cocaine about it, you know? <laughs> like... like the um, the women that were being told that they just had bouts of hysteria and then they would just go like to a doctor and the doctor would give them an orgasm and they were miraculously yeah. a lot happier. Hmm. Yeah. Funny. Or Coca-Cola literally had cocaine in it. <laughs> like. Medicine's wild, man. People were hard, fast, and loose with <laughs> with the feel-good stuff back then. <laughs> cocaine and orgasm for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if cocaine wasn't so damn bad for you, that would not be a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate that you're not wrong. <laughs> Health alert, kids. Cocaine is really bad for Don't you. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> we all had the D.A.R.E. program when we were kids. Oh. Right? <laughs> I'm Did pretty, not work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it made people want to do drugs. It also, oh, yeah. it also gave me an unrealistic expectation of how many times a stranger was going to come up to me in a trench coat and offer me free drugs. No one has done that yet. It, no, the times that's happened has been zero, zero times. Yeah, I thought it was going to be every day. People were just going to pop out of the alleyways and just, do you want some drugs, kids? Going to have to fight them off with a stick or something. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, please check out our Instagram at History. We post fun things there um send us an email if you have any suggestions or comments uh episode ideas would be really great at illequippedhistory at gmail.com all one word and thanks again for listening and we'll see you at the next one